nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scoured the globe with top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So welcome to another episode of the Matter Over Mind Experience. This is, of course, your host, master trainer and weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And let me tell you, I'm excited for this episode today. I'm not making this up. I'm really am excited, really super excited for this episode today because the gentleman I have on since I've been doing this show, I would say is the most similar person to me when it looks at the entire experience, the mind, the energy, the gut health is everything that comes with being truly healthy. Hollywood and I are going to talk about this today. You do not, you do not want to miss it. See, Ali is the founder of the Meta Project. Check it out on Facebook, by the way. Check it out on Instagram. You're going to learn a whole lot. I just Google the Meta Project to really know what Ali does. I mean, he's fantastic. He, he has worked with world-leading experts in exercise, nutrition, biochemistry, and coaching. And they have developed a holistic, scientific, and sustainable approach to health and performance. I want you to really hear that, right? He puts it all together. And, and of course, you know, with the rebranding of the show, at the end, I always have a hack for you, something, a takeaway for you. In this episode, the hack is going to be, how do aging people interrupt their patterns and create long-term meaningful change? And Ali is going to answer that for us today. And with that being said, let's welcome Mr. Wood to the show. Hey, Ali, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for jumping on. It's awesome. Thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you for being here. So with that being said, I know about you, but let my audience know about yourself. Yeah, of course. Uh, for me, uh, I, was, I started off in the personal training scene. Uh, it was a pretty natural step from being a hyperactive kid and doing every sport under the sun <laughs> and just um, to look at those little nuances that come with every sport that comes through, right? How you uh, play Apollo on a horse versus how you play rugby or how you row or how you do basketball. All of these different things require a very different skill set that come through. And I think for me, that allowed me to break certain beliefs or certain biases about how I should be eating or how I should be performing because it was really nuanced into the type of sport or activity I was doing, right? One was very aerobic and required a certain amount of training and fuel. And then one was very anaerobic and required a very different type of fuel and training. So going into that space of realizing from the very start, there's no one diet that's going to fit everyone. And there's no one diet that's going to fit every person all the time, right? So you're starting to see that there's seasonal differences, there's training differences, there's goal oriented differences around how you are going to approach that, that I thought was really, really cool. Uh, me going into the training scene, uh, again, we all start with a very training-oriented focus. Uh, and as you start to work with more high-level execs and business owners, you start to realize 
the sort of obstacles that are actually holding them back, right? They start to get stronger. They start to improve from a training standpoint. But you realize the amount of stress and information that they're walking through the door is really ultimately the biggest hindrance to their performance. So from a session that started off being 100% training, now became 80% training and 20% nutrition, and then 60% training and 40% lifestyle design, and just really started to create more and more of a balance of what what was going to be the the most effective session uh, and what are the components of that that they could actually take into their day so it wasn't just optimizing a 40-minute session and there being 23 hours of chaos. I like that. I like that. I've always asked the question, if you work out for an hour a day, right? You say in your case, you say 40 minutes, right? But let's say something around that, 40 minutes, an hour, potato, potato. But then you have 23 hours left. What's more important? The 23 hours of what you may call chaos, right? Because then we do everything else on this sun we're not supposed to do all the time you spend in the gym. Because yeah. that 23 hours or so is over 95% of your day, if not more, right? Somebody may want to correct me on my math. I didn't technically work it out, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying, <laughs> right? So that's, that's something we got to think about. The time you spend outside of working out in the gym are really the things that optimize you. Because the time you spend working out in the gym, it sends signals to your body telling you what you need. It gives you, it gives your body the need for nutrition and the need for proper sleep and the need for everything else, but you still have to do those things to get there. So I, I really like your progression up. I'm also thinking like while you were talking that, you know, we can't just cut our calories and think everything is going to be okay because the people that I've met in my life that struggle to stay, to lose weight necessarily, let's say manage your weight, right? Are usually people who focus so much on calorie restriction that they just get lost in the maze because they don't understand different types of training. So they cut their calories and they try to do high intensity, a lot of bike riding and Peloton can be great. I'm not saying it is, but if you don't eat properly, it can make your situation worse and all those things. Right. So I I love your approach. I love your holistic approach and you're going to get into that more. So with that being said, let's talk about the meta project. Explain to my audience, what is that? Yeah, uh, Meta for us very much stands uh, for more expansive, more self-aware. And I think that's really started to take in this picture of uh, where we're going with this human experience, as you mentioned, of not just the exercise component, but all of the other variables that are going to allow you moving forward. And like you said, with people that feel they've been struggling with dropping body fat or building muscle or just making those body composition shifts that they're after, if they're simply focusing on the thermodynamics of increasing output, decreasing input, whatever, you know, we're saying we use a ton is people that think it's all about calories are 90% right and 100% wrong, right? Because until that body is healthy, until that body's functioning the way it should, you're not going to get the most out of the calorie, right? And how you digest a banana as opposed to how I digest a banana are entirely different depending on that gut microbiome, depending on our stress, depending on our training tolerance, all of that stuff. So taking into account all of those other considerations in a really simple systemic or systemic version of you allows us know, to know what to identify with as your starting point. So when we're going through nutrition, everybody says nutrition is their problem, right? But a lot of the time it's they know what to eat at some degree, right? We can always find some nuances in there. It's more a case of actually fitting them into their day. So although we go really, really deep into some complex topics around um 
around nutrition timing, around the gut health, around really making sure we're as metabolically as effective as possible, we need to first start with fitting us back into our day because all of us in this health pursuit uh, are pushing so hard on the accelerator where the other foot's still on the brake. We need to get ourselves out of the way before we can actually start moving forward. And that's where this conversation starts of if you are a busy professional, if you are someone that's struggling to fit health into your day long term and you're struggling to uh, create that balance or, or momentum with exercise because every time something comes up, you've got the kids that get sick or the work project that comes through and it, it keeps getting thrown off, off, off track, right? We're all looking for the new time that needs to start. And you know, both in a business setting and in a health setting, there's no perfect time. And even if there was, do you not plan on getting busy again? So why don't you start now with getting clear on what those non-negotiables are depending on how busy or how how easy that week is all right so just having that conversation of how we can fit you fit you in and realizing that we are going to have those bumps and bumps and bruises that's exactly why we need to lean in now you know you said a couple of things that uh that really jumped out at me uh one is and i never thought about this but we say we try to find the perfect time Mm -hmm. But then we're like, are you planning not to be busy again? So what are you going to yeah. do when you're busy later on? So yeah. I didn't even think about that. But that make, that's so true. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And then we are our own worst enemies that like we are in the way. Because when I'm meditating in the mornings, I start every morning with a brief meditation, five to 10 minutes, not even anything long, just to center yeah. myself. And sometimes I repeat my own mantras. I don't look them up. And one of the mantras that I repeat to myself is I am my own best friend. And I say that to myself because oftentimes we are our best or own worst enemy, right? Yeah. But I remind myself that I am my own best friend, right? So I love how you say that we, we have that one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and we stand in our own way. So that's really awesome. And with that being said, let's talk about busy people because most of us, we have stuff to do throughout the day, right? So how can busy professionals integrate healthy habits into their lives? Yeah, um, sorry for not answering your question before around what the Meta Project does. I think we went off on a tangent, but we got to the concept we we're after. Um, of just taking the time to break this down. And as you said, I really like, again, that analogy of, and I think this is where when you've had enough exposure to the certain patterns or rhythms that come through, those little sayings go a really, really long way, right? Are you your best friend or your worst enemy right now? Are you the one getting in the way and self-sabotaging your approach or you're the, the one that you're really creating a level of self-compassion around? So regardless of whether you're a busy professional, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad or whatever's going on for you, I think that's a really, really good relationship to have with your own body, right? Because hating yourself into change is not going to be a long-term solution. And unfortunately, a lot of us start from a space of pain to get into it, right? I'm, I'm feel out of overweight, I feel uncomfortable, I don't want to feel like this anymore, right? And that becomes a certain nudge to get us going. And for a lot of us, we need a certain pain threshold for that to happen. Men, it seems to be <laughs> a lot, uh, far too long. Women start to get started a little bit earlier. But taking the time to go through that shift of realizing that health long-term has to come from a place of self-compassion, right? It doesn't mean that you're not going to nudge and go for a workout when you don't feel like it and finding when you need to push and when you need to step back, I think is a nuance in itself. But I think having that, that analogy of be your own best friend through that journey, I think is really helpful. Because if you can't look at yourself at the, at the end of the day and feel proud of that simply through not breaking your own promises, that shows up in every area of life, right? So if you're getting ready for the work meeting, if you're trying to be a leader for your family, breaking those small promises to yourself are your biggest hindrance to feeling that way. So whatever area that comes up for you, I think using health as a nice center post 
for how you show up in every area of your life, right? How you do one thing, how, how you do everything. But ultimately using that as an anchor and having that space of whether it's the morning meditation, whether it's a cold shower, whether it's going for a run, whether it's simply taking the time to sit down for breakfast rather than running out the door, just finding one thing that anchors your morning that allows you to show up better, I think is a really, really great part. And for us, and as you were mentioning before, you know, as we start to get in our 40s and 50s, there's uh, hopefully a bit of a shift that I really enjoy working with because it's no longer about the, the six-pack abs and the beach days. It more becomes about how you want to show up every day, right? If you're 40, you want to feel 40 or you want to feel 30. You don't want to get to 40 and feel 60 or 70 like most, most people are, right? So simply going through that approach of anchoring in those little things into your day that allow you to show up how, how you want to feel, how you, you're proud of looking and feeling. So the, the analogy I want to give to anyone watching this, so it's actually uh, actionable, is if you've got a really big week coming up, don't be reactive and then be flat on the weekend and have to catch up, right? Take the time to front load your week and set it out ahead of time, right? Block in time for you. Don't have a personal calendar and a business calendar. Have one calendar with everything in it. If you're going for a lunchtime run, put it in your business calendar. If you're going for a massage on Thursday, book it in, right? Make sure that it's all on one calendar so you're you're clear on for you to be an effective human, you need to take yourself seriously and you need to front load that week. So what we call it inside our community is front loading your buckets, right? Both joy and energy. We're not just there to get up, pay the bills and go to sleep. Taking the time to go through that approach of fitting us back into our day and being our own best friend, like you said, I think is a really, really good way for us to approach it no matter how busy we are. And I never realized that people had two calendars. I've always booked everything in my business calendar. I guess just without subconsciously, without actually thinking about it. But apparently you've come across individuals that have two calendars. That's that sounds like a miserable just try to keep up with in the first place. (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for sharing that. So with that being said, we're talking about busy people. Let's talk about burnout then. How does a healthy body help prevent burnout? Yeah, it's very much this conversation we just mentioned, right? So taking the time to look at this of uh, burnout is simply running the the, the, the the fuses too long and kind of burning the candle from both ends. Now, if you go through that approach where it's always reactive and the day's getting on top of you, it's very, very hard to catch back up. For us, we use a simple analogy of if you nail the first 20 minutes a day, it's really hard to stuff up the rest. So just taking the time to really protect that morning routine. And if you step back one se- se- one extra step, actually your nighttime routine, so your morning routine is set up the right way, I think that's a really, really good way to approach your day. And burnout is ultimately the the loss or losing grip of your own personal habits, your own personal routines that allow you to show up the way you are. So if your balance is out of whack, where you're starting to lean on everyone else's stuff they need from you rather than what you need of you, I think that's really where that starts to, to shine through. And I think depending on uh, who you are, this work-life balance, I think is a really challenging cons- conversation to have. I think if you really want to go full force in that business space, there needs to be periods of uh, high effort required, but we need to have a prioritization of how long is that going to go for? Because burnout generally comes when we've lost sight of the vision or ultimately the end game of where that, that comes in, right? So for me personally, inside of the Meta Project, it's a, it's a huge adventure of mine uh, that is not a that I am pulled forward by the vision and by the people I'm working with, right? It is an ongoing one. But in the scenario that we see a lot where burnout comes through is they're not locked into a long-term vision. So it becomes burnout rather than just working hard. And we start to look at, well, I need to wait for more employees to come in and 
rather than that being a two month wait and being like, okay, I need to work really hard for two months. It ends up being six months, eight months, 12 months, right? And they're continuing to burn that fuse longer because they haven't defined a certain amount of time that that goes through. So to come back and circle around or uh, close that loop around me and the meta project, taking the time to look at how much I want to take on, I still need to be very, very clear on how long I'm going to put in certain effort in order to achieve a certain task. Otherwise, it just starts to become so expansive, so big that I can't break it down to small enough chunks. Okay, so whatever that looks like for you personally in the space of burnout, I think it really just needs to start from breaking it down into clear, defined goals and making sure that uh, you know, 12 months of the year is not the priority being business, there needs to be a space for anchoring in you. And even if that's just a weekend away with no technology, those small anchors are helpful, but it's more a case of those little inputs every single day. So you're front loading your day. So you've actually got the energy to show up. So you don't feel like a hamster on a wheel, basically is what that's it sounds like to me. Pretty much. <laughs> You know, um, so I'm a, I'm a, my listeners know this by now that I'm a, I have a like, cartoon watcher, right? And I say cartoons, like I like cartoons from like 10 years, when I was 10 years old, Ninja Turtles, stuff like that. My current favorite cartoon right now is Big City Greens. That's on Disney, right? And the grandma, and, and the grandma on the show reminds me of my grandma. That's why I love this cartoon so much. And she mentioned one time to, I remember it was her grandson, I think. And she said, do you know what's a, uh, a dream without a plan? And he's like, no. He said, a wish, right? And, and which is what where most of us get caught up because we, we want to achieve something, but then we don't have a plan to get there. So then we just become a hamster in the wheel after a certain time because we're lost. And we don't even remember why we were doing it in the first place. So I, I, love, your, your, I love your entire vision of l- creating a, a, a plan for where you want to be and staying on top of that vision instead of being reactive to every little thing that may happen in your life. So that's absolutely fantastic. So Ali, thank you so much. I told everyone, Ali is very similar to me. I would even say this brother is at a different level than me, to be honest. But, you know, I look up to you, brother. I look up to you. All right. So let's keep this puppet going. What, why does health advice get it so wrong? And I'm very interested in this answer. Yeah, I think this really ties into what we've just mentioned around the the process versus the outcome. I think it's, a, it's something we lean on all of the time, right? Rather than setting a goal uh, just for the sake of the goal, because it looks cool, set the goal for what it makes for you to achieve it, right? And I think that's a really, really important part to bring in and a really powerful space to come from because so much, so many of us lose in the business sense from burnout. We start to get focused on what we're getting paid rather than the work we're doing, right? And in doing so, we start to lose joy in the actual activity. And there's so many studies around this where um, you know kids are doing a certain activity, they're really enjoying it, they're just doing it for the sake of it, and then they get a reward for it, right? And then when they go back to doing the thing, they lose joy in it because they're just waiting for the next reward, right? And you're seeing it in the workspace all the time right now where employees are skipping to another employer simply for a higher pay without any regard for the values or certain uh, standard of that business model. And I find that really scary and, and worrying because we're starting to lose joy in the work we do day to day as opposed to uh, you know, for the outcome as opposed for the work itself. And I think when we apply that to a health setting, that can be really, really challenging, right? Because I go for a workout today, I come home, I don't see any results. I go in for a workout tomorrow, I come home, I don't see any results. Well, this stuff's obviously not working, 
right? Well, it takes a certain amount of time for this to really happen. And the people that get those results are not the ones that are coming home and doing a quick flex and seeing if it's, if it's stuck. It's taking the time to do the workout, really enjoy the workout for how I felt, and then come back tomorrow because I've created a positive association with that thing. Even though it's hard, even though it's challenging, you can do exactly the same for meditation. It's not the effort required. It's simply the discomfort of getting out of comfort, the comfort that we need to associate with pleasure or some form of reward. All right. And this comes from a very primitive brain setting. You can be as smart as you like. Your body's just reinforcing a way to make what you did uh, actually a logical decision. Right. We're creating the, the press secretary rather than the president. So I think going through that, that approach of um, finding how to make sure this is going to last long term has to come from a place of associating what you do every day as showing, making you show up better. And then in the process of discomfort or challenge, that is something you actually enjoy rather than despise. If you're doing a challenge for the sake of the outcome, or you're doing a, a cold shower because it's really, really hard and you're going to post it on Instagram, you've no longer created an internal reward around why you're going to do it long-term and then for, therefore it doesn't stick. Wow. I love that. You know, I absolutely love that because I'm going to draw back on what I was talking about. Individuals who struggle with managing their weight, they build muscle, like you really best yep. talked about. A lot of times we get caught up in the exercise, like, oh my, I'm just doing this because I need to drop this much weight and I need to yep. do this by then. But you absolutely hate what you're doing. Yep. And you, you stand in the mirror, how much weight did I lose today? And whatever. And you start weighing yourself like almost every day kind of thing. And it'll become a, a hamster on a wheel idea instead of actually enjoying the workout itself. Gentlemen, like I've, I've seen Ollie. This man is in tremendous shape. I thought I was in good shape until I saw this guy right here. I was like, okay, I need to step my game up. But gentlemen, people like me, you and I, right? We love what we do. We love to train. That's why we call it training, right? We enjoy training and it's fun for us because we enjoy the journey. When I go to the gym and I see my friends and or I go for, for a 5K run with some of my buddies or play basketball or football or whatever. These are things I enjoy because I enjoy the experience. Not saying everybody needs to do the same thing, but you need to build. That's why building a community and things like those are so important in the process having a accountability partner and those things are so important in the process because it's about the journey when you get to that point that you physically start to feel better your body will start to crave the workouts you start to crave movements you realize it gets a lot easier especially if you're making the correct incremental changes and focusing on the experience instead of okay i need to lose 10 pounds by summer because i ate too much during christmas you know so which by the way it's it's actually easier for you to gain the 10 pounds and lose the 10 pounds i don't people even realize that but that's a whole different conversation in itself right so thank you so much i love the way you brought that down that's very well said very well said my good man all right so we talked about calorie counting a little bit and why it's not the full picture do you have anything to add to what we talked about there yeah, uh, for us, we're going through a really interesting time, especially in New Zealand uh, through Canada and US. I think there's an accelerated curve as opposed to down here in the Southern Hemisphere, but we're certainly in the same uh, direction. And I think the worry here is that when we go through uh, this understanding of calories and keeping the mind around uh, simply uh, calories in, calories out, and our body's not working, we start to create a real frustration around why our body's not working, right? We start to think we're broken. We start to think that we're not able to move forward. And whether there's certain labels put on, uh, on us or whether it's certain pressures, both externally or internally, we put on how we should be, right? This could, would, shoulds, I think, really suppress our own confidence. But also those uh, certain uh, sort of clinical um, 
labels of what's coming through, right? You've got this condition, right? And now we protect that condition and we can't possibly change because we've got a condition. Now this becomes really, really worrying because the whole point of this is not to downgrade or dismiss if you've got a thyroid condition or whatever it might be, right? But the issue becomes, and we had a re- I had a great conversation with our mindset coach last night inside of our, our community yesterday about this is, you want to be locked in on the goal, but you need to be flexible on the approach because there's a couple of curveballs that start to come through. But if we can just take that back a step further, before we even have this conversation of calories, we need to have a conversation around how our body's functioning and why things are not responding the way it used to, right? If we look at men now compared to two generations ago, we're seeing a 70% decrease in testosterone, right? In the uh, infertility standpoint, they reckon by 2050, most people are going to have to use uh, a fertility specialist unit in order to get pregnant, right? There's an increase of 5 to 10% a year in the use of these uh, uh, the reproductive technology systems, right? Taking the time to actually extract that. Uh, we're seeing autism, right? Back in 1975, used to be one in 5,000 people. Now it's going to be right up by 2035. If we continue the rate we are, it could be as high as one in three, right? That's huge, right? Between 2012 and now, the increase in that is, is massive. Uh, in, the, in the space of type 1 diabetes, which we know is a chronic inflammatory condition, right? it's starting to increase by three to 5% a year. And if you go through the Diabetes Association, they're like, huh, well, this can't happen from a genetic level because it's happening over too small a time horizon. Genetics um, um, must not be to the biggest player here. It must come from environment, right? So when we start to have this conversation of how do you get your body back in shape and what components do I need to look at? We need to really get an awareness of how many different things in the atmosphere are really coming through. And we... That sounds really complicated, but if I condense that down into simply the conversation of gut health, that is simply your protection layer to the outside world, right? The skin, your biggest organ in the body is obviously also absorbing things, but taking the time if we digest food, it's taking the time to know, is that something that we just eat or is it something we actually absorb, right? And I'm going to challenge you on that. It's not what we eat, it's what we absorb that matters. And if we're breaking down our gut wall to the point that we're just allowing anything through and all these foreign particles are jacking our inflammation up through the ceiling, then so many functions in the body are going to be inflamed, are going to be suppressed in how they work. So now we're not just getting in the way of it being nearly impossible to build muscle or drop body fat. We're also getting sick all the time. We've got brain fog. We keep waking up to pee during the night. And we start to really have this chronic inflammatory issue where joints are hurting and we're feeling 20 years older than we should. And if we continue that systemic approach, we start to see a lot more of these chronic illnesses coming through, right? And it starts from this very acute, very short-term thinking of how we fix solutions. From a, from a medical field, that's been fantastic in the space of uh, fixing diseases, and that's been life-changing, life-changing stuff through the, the forms of antibiotics. But if we look through the lens of long-term health and making sure that we've really got the the strength, resilience, metabolism to really make sure we function long-term. I think that needs to come from understanding how our body works and starting to understand those little signals, those little communications our body's having with us. So when we're eating a food, the simple question I'm going to ask you is, how do you feel, right? And although it sounds like a really, really simple question, if we're simply going off calories and we're not going off how we feel of certain foods, then although we're having 200 calories instead of 350, if it's coming from a meal full of gluten and dairy or whatever there is inflaming you, that's going to suppress how your body burns those calories in the first instance, right? So I started this conversation with a bit of an extreme example of the chronic illnesses coming through, but 
all I'm doing is walking you through a couple different layers of what happens if you don't listen to this, right? So now you're not worried about just dropping a couple kilos. You're now really working against your body because it's really fighting a, a, a chronic inflammatory condition as opposed to just the, the couple extra kilos that you're holding because of it, okay? So uh, to wrap that all up, starting with whole foods, starting with foods that you feel good on and just being mindful of the the environment that you eat foods in. Meaning, if you've got really good at inhaling your food in between work meetings, that's going to make a really, really big difference to how you digest food. It doesn't matter how good that chicken salad is. So taking the time to step back, give yourself space, be present with what you're eating, and building that skill first, now you're becoming your own best friend. Well, I love that. You just gave me a whole lot to unpack there. You're the only other person I've ever heard other um, than myself, of course, that say, you're not what you eat, you are what you absorb. I absolutely love that. That's totally fantastic. That's 100% true. We're right on the same page there. I, I, but something that I really want to highlight from what you said, because oftentimes when I talk to individuals and I explain to them about being healthy, one of the first, everyone's a scientist now. And one of the first questions people ask me is, what does the studies, what do the studies say? And yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, do you, have a, do you have a biochemistry degree stuck back there that I don't know about? And I always ask that because internet floods us with so much information that we don't even know how to think anymore. My yeah. approach to everything and with the matter of mind experience, my whole approach is three-sided, right? And I brought it up because you brought up the example of how you feel in the apple and it's three-sided. It's rooted in scientific evidence. It's also rooted in anecdotal evidence. How do you feel? If I, if I eat and drink stuff, drink, drink stuff and I feel terrible the next day, it is a sign that something is going on there. Not necessarily saying the um, correlation is, uh, means causation, but however, there is something going on there. And I also look at ancestral background and I combine those three. And that's why when you first said in the beginning, when you were like, you have to, what do you say? You have to... Um, you have to, you know, the result it's trying to get, but you have to be flexible in the approach, something along yeah. those lines. Right. Yeah. And that's how I am with my clients. I don't just focus on carries and versus carries up because what are they paying me for? I have to make changes along the way. And something else that you and I will look at that a lot of people who struggle will not look at. We don't think of food as medication. And the reason why I say that is this. Oftentimes, we people come to me and say, give me a diet, give me a diet, give me a diet. Well, that's again, you know, that doesn't work. And yep. even if it works for a little time, it may change over time, depending on what's going on in your body, right? So there's so many things to unpack when we talk about actually being healthy and not does this do that? If I drink this tea, will I feel better? If I, if I drink, if I drink kombucha, if I get probiotics, will this help me? If I eat fiber, will it help that? That's not how it works. There's just so many things that's going on there that working with a professional, like the individuals in the meta in the meta project, for example, can work with you and give you what you specifically need. And that's why this interview is so important and so important. And so thank you so much, Ali, for that. That was fantastic for bringing it all around. Now, One thing I'd love to just end in there, mate, is the, what you've just mentioned just to highlight is it's not about what you do that matters. It's just what, you, what you don't do that's really important to start with, right? Yes. So you go through this approach of, I, I heard this first in a business setting, but it very much applies in a, in a health setting too, which is, you know, Bill Gates has got the same amount of hours in the day. It's not about what he is doing. It's about what he isn't doing so he can be more effective. Right? It's exactly you in that health space. So if you're going through the sort of half-baked DIY approach of I'll just see how it goes, it's not necessarily the things you are doing. It's about the things that you're doing that are getting in the way of the things you should be doing. 
right? So when you say you don't have time, that's all the more opportunity to dive into something like this and start to look at this, uh, this equation of time versus money, right? You're paying one of them time to figure it out or money to figure it out quicker through someone else's experience. And I think that's really where working with an expert to really understand what your body is going through and where you need to start in that journey uh, can accelerate that curve a wee bit, right? Find out the things you are doing that are actually hindering you. So that's certainly something to, to look at and it just allows you to simplify it. You see it in the food setting all the time, right? Someone's pop, popping a Gaviscon or a, a acid reflux medication rather than just chewing their food and slowing down or looking at the the dairy or the gluten that they're inflamed from, right? So really just understanding the root cause that's causing that issue rather than popping a, t- a pill to try and mask it for the day. That's that's great as well. I agree 100%. Dr. Stephen Gundry, I know if you're familiar with him, yep. he's uh, one of the top experts, on, if not the top experts on leaky gut in the world. And yep. um, I through I haven't had any asthma issues in three years. I, March was my three-year anniversary after healing my gut. And I yep. it primarily started with his book, the plant paradox. You should start paying me uh, royalties for this. <laughs> but I think I mentioned it like a million times. But anyway, one of the things that stood out to me in this book was, it's not what you eat, it's what you don't eat. Instead of thinking about food as medication, basically what you're breaking down. Instead of thinking about if I eat this, will it do that? If I do that, will it do this? It's about, mm-hmm. okay, what are the things that are causing these issues? And what are some of the things I can take out? That's more important because once you create the oxidative stress and the chronic inflammation, it's a lot more work to lower it. But when you take the stuff out that's causing it, then the journey gets a lot easier for you. So I love the way, and I thank you for adding that into it because I wasn't even thinking about that. So thank you for adding that, Ollie. And with that being said, uh, let's talk about older people. You know, we're all aging over here. You look like you're about 20 years old, but, you know, looks can be deceiving, right? So what are uh, people doing wrong with exercise as they get older? Yeah, and you you likely see this in the personal training setting all the time, right? Is as we get older, we start to slow down. We start to do less, right? And I think the more we lean into that, the more we age quicker, right? Age is all about an attitude, right? And I think there's been some fantastic studies. They even did it with a a group of nuns, right? You couldn't get a more controlled study if you wanted to. And what they really took through the study was, you know, they've all got the same marital status. They all go to bed at the same time. They all eat roughly the same food. So all of these variables that we go through are roughly the same. They don't drink or smoke. The biggest thing that changed the difference between how long they lived Uh, was their attitude, right? Were they positive and did they live longer? Were they negative and did they die quicker, right? was massive. So we start to get an an understanding of how much attitude plays a role in you accepting whether your disease is your hindrance or something we work through. If you've got an injury and that chooses you to slow down or whether that's something that you start to pay attention to to build your body back up. We had a, uh, again, a big tangent we had yesterday that I won't dive into. But taking the time to look at aging in a process of uh, what are the components you can do to ultimately not just extend the quantity, but the quality of your life. And I think this is a really great area with anti-aging in this space right now is we're going very low protein. We're doing a lot of fasting. We're doing all this stuff to live to 180. But how about we just leave, live to 100 and we live really, really well, right? We, we're strong, we're fit, we're confident, we feel good. And I think that needs to be step number one, quality before quantity. And I think with that, we start to look at the space of uh, simply weight training, right? It's something that people shy away from more and more as we get older, which is something we should be leaning more and more into. The first place I saw that come up was uh, in the triathlon space. I, I just noticed as we were doing the sprint distance triathlons is people were moving more towards the, the endurance stuff, right? The Ironmans as they got older. 
And at the time, my perception was that, okay, as I get older, I'm going to get better at endurance. Now that I've been through, you know, a decade of, of exercise, I've realized that uh, it's got nothing to do with them getting better at endurance. They've just got worse at strength, right? We continue to do things longer and longer because we're not willing to get to those higher threshold muscle units, right? So taking the time to do 10 minutes on the rower or the, uh, the assault bike, as opposed to doing an hour, hour on the cardio, right? That's why there's one assault bike in the gym and 30 treadmills. Everybody would much rather do something for an hour rather than put in a decent amount of effort for 10 minutes, right? And I think that's where their opportunity to get much better really is, is taking the time to really get to that high threshold units, wax the muscles up, blow the cobwebs out, make sure we're really looking at some level of training. So rather than doing the circuit classes and adding in another uh, spin class, Take the time to get to your six rep max, get strong, get stable, contract some muscles, give yourself some rest time and go again. Because I think we just start to do more and more stuff because we're not willing to do it at a, at a high level. And if you're in that space where you're no, noticing you're slowing down, you're feeling older, you're starting to feel like uh, the range in your hips or shoulders have got uh, less and you're weaker, the first thing you need to do is lean back into that strength base. Take the time to protect that muscle, protect that strength, so that long, you know, long term, you feel really, really good, and you're in a, in a structurally sound position. So ignoring it is not going to make it go away. That's basically what you're telling me, right? Pretty much. <laughs> I, uh, I I plan on having a robot body at some point, just to let you know. So I may I may go up to five thousand years or until God comes back. Let's, let's see what happens first. But uh, but thank you for that. No, that's really great. And this is a great setup, Ali. This is the hack of the episode. This is what people have been waiting for. So I want you to break it down for me and lay it all out for us, right? How do um aging people? interrupt their patterns and create meaningful long-term change the first thing you must do and this came from the question you asked before right which is show me the studies the only thing that tells me is that you're not willing to learn right so the first thing that we need to go through if we're going to work with a coach is what worked when you're 20 is not going to work with you now and if we're going to move forward we need to get rid of what was good to become great or we simply need to get rid of what used to be good so we can actually get our body responding right now so my simple question to anyone that you know goes through that approach is like would you like help or what are you what you're currently doing is it working well, if your answer is no would you like me to help you with moving forward right because i think that's a really part of a big part of the process that very few coaches get taught right we we read the books we get the certifications now they should listen to us right well wrong because they haven't got any buy-in and they don't they're not trusting you with their their response their their results so i think going through that first conversation with them of really being able to get aware of what's working right now and what isn't and this very much be do it be a do it with your approach not a do it for you and i think that's a really really clear point to understand is i cannot do this for you i have to do it with you which means that your input's required your ownership in this approach is required and walking through that with where do we start becomes a learning from the data if i'm not taking the time to learn from data that's the only way we can fail right win or learn the only time you fail is when you decide not to learn from the from the learning <laughs> so when we go through that approach it's taking the time to really understand what that baseline is. We intentionally don't talk about exercise until week three because most people will just dive into more stuff, right? As we talked about, it's about the stuff you should not be doing rather than the things you should be doing that really allows us to lay the foundation. So in that regard, if it's something that you're looking at from what are my first steps, 
are we aware of our breathing and where are we breathing from? Are we in our chest and breathing through our mouth and just finding that we're going through the entire day in a very heightened state? Well, we need to be very mindful of that, especially around meals. So the first thing we need, need to look at before we even address what's on the plate is your state before you go into a meal. If I simply take five deep breaths before I have a meal, I'm going to be in a much better position to actually absorb that food than if I'm heightened, I'm inhaling food. So that can be a really, really good step. Knowing that we're less insulin sensitive, knowing that we're we're uh, less, we're going to be synthesizing less protein, does mean that we're going to be potentially leaning over time to more protein and fats as opposed to more carbohydrates. But none of that makes sense until we're in a space of understanding how to actually absorb foods. Right? We've got a massive issue with uh, acid reflux medications. Everyone seems to be living on them now, and it simply comes back to us not paying attention to the foods we're eating that maybe we're, we've got some sensitivities to, and how we're eating, that stress state, chewing, taking the time to slow down. So I think if you start in that space, you're going to be a much healthier, happier human to start with, and it should be a really actionable step you can walk into today. You know, when you talk about acid reflux, I've had a couple of um, acid reflux and GERD experts on the show and heartburn experts as well, who mentioned mm. something that sticks out to me that most people do, they don't think about, but it's drinking when they eat. Yeah. Um, to stop drinking when you eat can really um, make a big difference because it lowers your stomach acid, which you need to yep. digest your food. So oftentimes we think, oh, acid reflux is too much stomach acid. So we need to yep. pop some Tums or something, but it's actually the other way around. It's not enough stomach acid to digest what you're eating. So when you're talking about the breathing, um, that's that's key. Not drinking when you eat, being in a rest and digest state, not a uh, fight or flight state and so on and so forth. So, I, I love your approach, man. I love how you just take everything and put it together. The Meta Project, everybody, check it out. I think on Instagram, you're the uh, you're Hollywood, I believe. But I said, Google the Meta Project. You'll find out a lot more about what he does. He also has a Facebook page. But enough of me. Let my audience know, how can we get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. This has been a great conversation, and hopefully we've given some value to your listeners. Uh, I think going through this any deeper, hopefully we've explored a couple of topics that you want to dive into a bit more. Um, we've, we put out a ton of free content. We really want to make sure that you've got an awareness of how we can apply this to your own life. Because at the end of the day, this isn't a six-week diet. This is a skill set that you want to use for the rest of your life. So if you want to dive a little bit deeper into that, uh, just go to the metaproject.co. We've got a free five-day challenge there and a couple other gut health trainings that really go deep into your understanding of like actionable steps that you can apply to your nutrition. And if you want uh, you know, us as experts diving a bit deeper into your life and identifying what obstacles are getting in the way from you moving forward, what's making it so hard, right? What are things that we can remove to make it easier? And uh, we can certainly have a conversation there and walk you through what that looks like and really just make sure that we can we can work together from there. So uh, the metaproject.co would be the easiest place, whereas, as you've said, uh, on Instagram under NZ, I believe it is, um, is my Instagram. I put up a fair amount there too. Awesome. And of course, his information will be in the show notes. This one's going to be uh, zekerhealth.com slash uh, metaproject is what I'm aiming for. It may be different. The show notes will be in the description of the podcast anyway, because you never know what comes out of my brain. So thank you very much, Ali. This was a fantastic interview, man. And uh, I know it's uh, about what, 12 or so over there in uh, New, New Zealand. So go enjoy the rest of your day. I appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.